This is Lauren Lester, the voice of Robin and Nightwing. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. And remember, no one can be a boy wonder forever. Five young fighters drawn from the corners of the universe. When they band together, they become the world's most superb fighting force and take on the Earth's toughest challenges, like finding the remote control. How could you lose the remote? What makes you so sure I lost it? Starfire. You must meet my friends. Cyborg. Oh yeah, back in the lead. Beast Boy. Yo, whose turn to do dishes? Raven. This party is pointless. Everything's pointless. Want to go talk about it? And Robin. Loser. Jerk. What did you say? In a new series about fighting for truth, justice, and the last slice of pizza. Teen Titans. Welcome, everybody, to episode 212 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter account, our other host, it's Liam. Liam, welcome to the month of June. Welcome to a very special Elseworlds month, as we discussed last week's episode we're doing something uh, that feels very overdue based on the importance of this character but welcome to uh to the first week of june 2022 of the dca that's right cal uh as mentioned this is our our sort of we uh we do these elseworlds reviews uh you know a few times every year usually it's in a, a month where we have five Saturdays, but about once a year, we also like to do one full month of Elseworlds reviews with some sort of theme. And uh, this year we picked a character as our theme, and that being the character of the boy wonder himself, Robin. And uh, we are kicking that off this week with a Teen Titans episode, only the second episode of the series we've ever reviewed in our 212 episodes and uh and it's a pretty fun one and a, a appropriately robin centered episode in masks that is correct liam and uh before we get into breaking down this week's episode as we do with each and every episode with our four categories we will of course get the official internet movie database synopsis and that, of course, is brought to you by The Pod Tower. That's right. Check out our fullback catalog of every episode, including that aforementioned Teen Titans review, all at youtube.com slash The Pod Tower. And guess what? Not only do you get great content from us, but you get some from our friends also who have done uh, content on Teen Titans, I'm sure, as well. So check that out at youtube.com slash The Pod Tower. And Liam, before we get to this week's imdb synopsis i will mention that this episode originally premiered here in the states on the cartoon network back on september the 20th 2003 meaning uh, we're just a few short months away here from the 19 year anniversary of this episode's premiere man make you feel old yet <laughs> a little bit uh, yeah definitely so that'll uh, that'll be the synopsis for the episode masks which is written by tom pugsley and greg klein uh directed by michael chang 
with music by Michael McQuistian and animation by Lotto Animation Inc. And that synopsis reads as such. Robin is obsessed with finding Slade. Then a new criminal shows up, Red X. Red X goes on missions stealing equipment for Slade. The Tritons, the Titans try to stop Red X, but he seems to be one head. <laughs> okay, I see why I was having trouble with this because it's a bad sentence. All right. <laughs> the Titans try to stop Red X, but he seems to be ahead. He seems to be one step ahead of the Titans. <laughs> Oh no. You use the same subject twice and the same sentence. Yeah, nope, not not good. That was uh, very wordy. It was very choppy at times. Felt like there were some sentences mm. that could be combined there. It felt like they had to fill up a lot of space. So, you know, it's one of those that okay, this this uh this paragraph has to have at least 50 <laughs> words in it. So, I'm going to break this up by restating the same thing several times and using more words to describe the same thing. Absolutely, yes. A very, uh, definitely a word count uh, <laughs> feeling synopsis this week, but that uh, that does bring us into our plot here. Is yeah, we uh, we kick it off uh, just like right in the middle. That is something that I feel like coming back to this show, especially the earliest episodes of this show. The we're, we're still in the first season here. Uh, we really just get right into the action right off the bat on this show. Yeah, absolutely. So we we open and there's this uh, there's this fight happening between the entirety of the Titans, and uh, they are they are uh, fighting these this group of what appears to be lackeys belonging to Slade. They they very much match Slade's style of of uh, clothing, and uh, it's it's quite obvious that these are his lackeys, and so they are attempting to steal what appears to be a red floppy disk i'm not sure it's never it, it, they call them computer chips i believe yes it's never really described as to what their purpose is what they're stealing from etc 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 but uh this this leads to the first clash between uh the titans and this group of uh of lackeys and uh, right before we get to the the uh, the break for our opening credits, and quite arguably the greatest musical <laughs> intro of all time that we, could, of course, will once again touch upon in our music category, uh, we we have the the lackeys getting the better of the titans and beginning their escape uh, with the chip in hand after getting the better of them. So uh, Titans go, of course, is the scream as as Robin leads the Titans after these lackeys and uh, in their escape Robin comes into contact with one that uh, sort of gets the better of Starfire knocking her off the edge of a cliff and this causes Robin to have to uh, leap to save her he uses one of his many gadgets from his belt to both latch onto her and actually onto the escaping lackey and uh, he actually is able to finally catch up to him uh, as after uh, some traversing over some bodies of water and eventually land, crash landing. It appears that Robin gets his hand and is ready to uh, to thoroughly interrogate the gentleman to find out just, of course, what he knows about Slade, who, of course, is the overarching villain for this season. 
and the main antagonist and Robin's main focus for the majority of the season is just determining who Slade is and what he wants, what his plan is and what, and uh, getting to the bottom of it. And uh, once again, he's foiled by Slade as he comes to rip off the mask of this, this lackey. And it turns out uh, it is in fact, artificial intelligence it's a robot and he comes face to face not with a human but uh, a screen and Slade's face being projected onto the screen as as he once again taunts Robin that he's not quite there yet he's uh, he a fair fair try this time but he's not quite ready uh, to face Slade face to face now talk who's Slade why does he want this chip and why are you working for him Excellent work, Robin. Slade. Really? I think your skills are improving. No more games. What do you want? But you do lack patience. If you're really so curious about my intentions, perhaps we should meet face to face. Tell me where you're hiding and I'll be there in a heartbeat. Patience, Robin. Patience. Robin? This, of course, leads... Robin to much frustration as we we very much uh, get the point of that is in our next scene as we uh, arrive back at Titan's Tower. That's right, yeah, kind of where we get our uh, our our thread for the rest of this episode is that you know Robin's the uh, he's the obsessed police detective in like a, a Saw movie or, or or Seven or any of those things where he's just. He's on this case and he's chasing down the perp and he just can't do anything. He can't enjoy anything. He's only, he's just so consumed by this, uh, by this Slade character. And we see that sort of illustrated as the, the rest of the Titans are kind of kicking back, looking to relax and, and uh, sort of re- unwind after their battle. And Robin is still in his room looking over case files and Starfire tries to sort of get him to come come and uh, and socialize and, and relax but he just won't hear it robin is that the best you can do excellent work robin i think your skills are improving if you're really so curious about my intentions perhaps we should meet face to face who are you robin i am wondering if you might wish to no Thanks, but I need to figure out why Slade wanted that chip. Agreed. And perhaps if you were to take a break, the answer would be easier to... I can't. You almost got hurt. Next time it could be worse. He's planning something. I have to find out what. But Robin, I am sure that... (sighs) It's just made very clear very quickly that Robin is, is just completely obsessed with this case and... That's uh, that is evident as we we then see we go back to that facility where this red computer chip is is still floating after the Titans were able to stop Slade's minions from getting it. And a mysterious new character shows up uh, who we will come to find is known as Red X. And uh, as this Red X is escaping, we see that the Titans are on the scene again, minus Robin, who is working a, a Slade lead on the other side of town, apparently. And uh, very quickly, it's shown that the Red X is not only does he have a lot of cool uh, X-themed gadgets that we'll certainly talk about more in visuals, 
but uh, he specifically has gadgets uh, with every single one of the Titans' weaknesses in mind. And so he very quickly dispatches them and, uh, and escapes with the, the first of what we will find out is three computer chips. And we go back to the tower and, and Beast Boy is still getting the, like this red sticky substance that kept him, uh, kept him at bay, cut out of his hair by Starfire, which I think <laughs> is a really funny bit. And, uh, and they're sort of complaining about, uh, you know, talking about how frustrated they are, that how this guy, uh, just took them apart and, and, and Robin sort of apologizes for not being there. But then before they, uh, before they can really unpack anything that Robin's going through, he's right back to work and, and leaves the room. And, and uh, it's, it's becoming very clear that it feels like Robin is sort of distancing himself from the team. And before you can really start to put these, these notes together, we cut the later in the evening as the Titans here, a uh, an alert and they come back to their uh, their main sort of living room and they uh they hear that robin is not in the building but is in fact off chasing down red x across town and the titans had better get there quick to uh to try to aid in the showdown that's right and right before that we had this scene that sort of set up uh red x a little bit and showed his motivations for stealing this chip that slade was after in the first scene and he uh is able to get in contact with slade and begin to strike up a deal and offer a partnership slade while very impressed with him is uh is not quite ready to to join forces just yet there's a uh, there's there's some dialogue that certainly that's had and some intrigue on Slade's part, but uh, he needs to see more. So he he tasks Red X with more uh, with more uh, tasks, I guess. I tasks him with more tasks. I just did what the synopsis did. Uh, he, he tasks him with uh, with more things to do, and before this partnership can be solidified, uh, he must complete them and prove himself worthy. Rumor has it, you're interested in this. I'm interested in many things, Mr. X. Red X. Mm, catchy. So, are you proposing a sale or a gift? A partnership. I'll give you the chip. You cut me in on your plans. Partnership? My, my. We are ambitious. But an alliance cannot be forged from one small chip. If you're going to win my trust, I'll require more. Just tell me what you want. So as you mentioned, uh, Robin is, uh, is chasing down, apparently, and has spotted Red X stealing this compu- uh, second computer chip uh, downtown. And uh, the t- rest of the Titans rush to join him. And as they get there, they see Robin chasing after Red X, but he's quickly contained by a net that th- that Red X has uh, thrown on top of him. After checking to make sure he's okay, the Titans uh, pursue Red X, and they have a another battle between them in and the uh, and Red X in the subway. And we learn uh, something pretty interesting here: the Titans know how to adapt. I, I appreciate <laughs> this. I thought that that was really interesting. Red X seems to try some of the same tactics that he had before, and the Titans have quickly learned 
some strategies on how to protect one another and also to protect themselves against uh, what happened to them in their first battle. So they, they begin uh, to seemingly overtake Red X a little bit, but he's too quick, too fast, and begins to outsmart them again uh, and sort of begins getting the best of them, including knocking Beast Boy onto the, the subway tracks. And it appears that Beast Boy may in fact be done for as the train is bearing down on him. But uh, the Red X actually swoops in and saves him, much to his surprise, before giving him another swift kick to the jaw <laughs> and escaping. So this sort of leads the Titans to sort of scratch their heads and, and con continue to wonder and ponder uh, just who this mysterious being is. So uh, when, when they get back to Titans tower, again, Robin is being very reclusive and standoffish and uh, it's decided that Starfire, despite her, her pleads with Robin to, to join the team and to, to spend less time focusing on both Red X and, uh, and, uh, and Slade to, to rejoin the team that Robin again secludes himself. And as she pursues him into his room, uh, she finds that his room is empty. Uh, he's no longer there after a few minutes and she begins looking around at the walls covered in all of these newspaper clippings and the very obsessed type nature that Robin's room appears to have when it comes to discovering who Slade is and she looks at uh, this table that has a, a broken birdarang on it and it also has this sphere that she inadvertently knocks off. <laughs> Slade. You almost got hurt. Next time it could be Nothing. worse. Lead was a dead I'm end. I'm close to a breakthrough. Sure you guys can handle this without me? Robin, where have you gone? <gasps> I'm fine. Dead X, go! Huh? Robin? I'm fine. Dead X, go! I'm fine. Dead X, go! If you were not really there, then where were... <sighs> when she knocks it off, it projects what appears to be Robin encased in a net, and it replays the same vocal message uh, that they had heard before just uh, in the midst of the battle of pursuing Red X in the subway. So she begins to put the pieces together and realize that Robin, in fact, may in fact be Red X himself, which kind of leads us to the, the culmination in the, in the final scene as Robin, uh, or Red X rather, has to continue to prove his worth to Slade and collect the final of our three computer chips yes color coordinated as they are for uh so so we know they're track yep exactly so yes as uh, as red x arrives and grabs the last chip we see that not only have slade's minions come to meet him but slade himself actually has made an appearance one of his uh his first sort of in-person appearances or at least so it would seem at first and they sort of have this dialogue and and, and robin as red x is continually trying to get Slade to reveal this plan that he has, why he needs the chips, what his sort of long-term goals are. And uh, it's at that point that Slade makes it very clear that uh, he has not been fooled. 
and he in fact knew that Red X and Robin were one and the same. So uh, one of his, uh, his minions shoots this like net gun that catches all of the chips and then flies it into Slade's hands. And just at this moment, the uh, the Titans burst in, or at least three of the Titans do, Cyborg, Raven, and Beast Boy. And as uh, Red X sort of goes to run after Slade, who begins to sort of retreat as as the Titans begin to engage all of these, these robots and these giant like mech things that Slade has brought, uh, Cyborg grabs a handful of Red X's cape and that's when sort of Starfire swoops in to reveal to the, the rest of the team that in fact Red X and Robin are one and the same. So uh, Red X tears off his mask to reveal Robin. Love, always love a guy wearing a mask under another mask. That's always, <laughs> always mask. a great bit. Great bit. Um, and, uh, and yes, yeah, so uh, Red X runs away as, as the rest of the Titans are sort of gobsmacked for a moment before realizing they're still in quite a bit of danger as they're sort of left to deal with all of Slade's minions and robots. Uh, meanwhile, Robin and Slade uh, sort of set up our finale here as they have a pretty intense chase scene. Again, again, we'll certainly talk a lot more about that in visuals, but they're sort of running over rooftops and and Slade is just, uh, you know, metaphorically and literally one step ahead of Robin every time. And they finally get uh, to the point where they're going to have their showdown. And, and Slade is sort of, again, just so quick and so and so uh, ferocious that Robin seems overmatched. And in fact, he actually knocks Robin off of uh, off of the top of the building. Robin tries to hold onto the ledge, but it begins to crumble and uh, mirroring uh, Red X saving Beast Boy earlier in the episode, Slade actually saves Robin. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, there's, a, there's sort of a moment of confusion as Robin doesn't understand what's, what's happened here. And, and Slade uh, sort of tries to play it off that he's just not finished with uh, teaching Robin this lesson. And that sort of gives Robin his second win. He's able to knock Slade down and and the chips go flying, and it seems like Robin has slayed dead to rights after all this time. But once again, uh, you know, Chekhov's remove a mask to have a robot underneath twice in one episode. I don't think I'm using that correctly. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, once again, just like at the start of the episode when we, uh, when we reveal the, the robot minions, Slade himself this time is also a, a, a robot duplicate. <laughs> This ends now! Patience, Robin. We'll meet face to face some other time. Oh, and speaking of time. (laughs) At least he didn't get the chips. And there's a message playing on this little TV screen in the robot's head that uh, that tells Robin he is impressed and and that they will meet again in due time uh, just before the, the robot self-destructs. And, and so Robin is sort of left being back to square one, even though, you know, it seemed like it was almost over, but he's still back to square one. And, and then uh, interestingly enough, especially I think for a show like this, that is so action heavy, as we mentioned, they end on a very quiet moment, which is, uh, you know, they, they go back to the tower and, and Starfire sort of uh, gives gives uh, Robin some food for thought to end our episode. You want to yell at me too? Everyone else has, and I can't blame them. I do not wish to yell, merely to understand. Robin, why did you not tell us the truth? I needed to fool Slate. 
If you guys knew it was me under that mask, you would have held back. Doesn't matter anyway. Slade figured it out, and I still haven't figured out anything about him. That is not true. Whoever Slade is, you and he are similar. Slade did not trust you, and you did not trust us. Yeah, that's right. And it's uh it is very interesting. And she does kind of approach Robin and and begin to not quite chastise him, but question why he wasn't willing to share and be open with them uh that this was his plan. And uh, he claims that the reason why was because he had to make it seem authentic and he couldn't risk uh, them kind of giving away his cover story and and if if he had revealed to them that he was uh you know that he was red x and he kind of continues to pound his fist on the desk in frustration and talk about how he feels like he's still back at square one he still doesn't know who slate is doesn't know anything about him doesn't know his plan but specifically doesn't know anything about him and starfire sort of very very sharply responds in the only the kindest way that starfire can that he actually does know something about about slade he has learned that he and slade are very similar and that neither of them trusted uh, those that were closest to them slade of course not trusting red x and robin not trusting the titans so uh, certainly a uh, a stab in the front from a from a friend there you know to to speak the sharp truth there and uh that's kind of where we're left as uh, as the scene scene sort of draws to a close so um liam this was not one that I remember. I definitely have seen this episode because I, I remember Robin getting caught in the net. I remember that that being the and that being a hologram and all of that. I had so I remember mm-hmm. that particular plot point, but I hadn't seen this episode in quite some time and probably only saw it one or two times uh, uh, prior to this. But uh, man, what a what a great story! I love the sort of the pace as you mentioned doesn't allow you to kind of put two and two together until you're right there discovering it with the titans that robin is red x um Mm -hmm. they they do a lot to not dwell on the fact that they give you the hints and it's easy to kind of see in in retrospect but they don't make it very point blank obvious right at the beginning and uh, i love the development of this robin character because it feels very much like somebody that studied under batman you can very mm-hmm. very very well see this as a batman obsession uh you know the same characteristics of batman putting putting his friends to the side and behind him not trusting his friends enough to bring them in on what's going on at the sake of trying to get to this villain is a very batman type thing and who better to to mimic that than than the person that he that he trained in that that being robin so i loved that i loved robin's obsessive uh, nature of this his willingness to kind of go over that line and to blur those lines to try and figure out what he can do to you know to uh, you know to, to to get more information from Slade or to, to subvert sort of the uh, the idea of of just a head-on attack as a hero. So I loved all of that. There's a lot of fun stuff in this episode. What did uh What about you? How did you feel about it? Yeah, this is this is one I've seen. I think almost every episode in this first season a lot a lot because I you know I just watched the show constantly. 
um, as 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 a youngster, and and then certainly when the DVDs came out, this this whole the Slade episodes were always pretty heavy in my uh, in my rotation when I was rewatching the stuff. So I had definitely seen this one a lot. It it did strike me that I kind of it like unlocked a little bit of like a memory of when I was first watching the show. When I, I feel like this episode is when it went from a show that I liked because it was superheroes and Rob, you know, Robin, especially as a character, we we talked about that before. We actually did a whole bonus episode about Robin in animation, which you can find in our archives, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. But uh, you know, this, this show was cool for that reason, but then it felt like I really felt myself getting sucked in. And I remember feeling that way when I was, you know, whatever I was 10 or 11 years old watching this and feeling like, Oh, it's not just, you know, good guys punching bad guys like there's a really interesting dynamic here where you know it's it's the you know don't let yourself become a monster to catch a monster thing he's he's pushing people away and doing things that are at the very least unethical and he's not trusting his friends and he's not working as part of a team even though he's supposed to be the leader of this team all in you know all in service allegedly of catching this this ultimate villain and it's sort of driving this wedge not only is it you know frustrating and 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 everything it's like and he does all of this sort of questionable underhanded stuff and he doesn't really even get anything out of it so i feel like there's even like even if if you're a youngster there's like a lesson there of like he went he went against the grain he tried to do it his own way he didn't involve his friends he tried to do it all by himself and it all sort of blew, blew up in his face. And I just think that's a really like sharp narrative turn. And it sets up, obviously we haven't talked about those, those episodes yet, but the, the two-part season one finale where we sort of see the, the Robin Slade rivalry come to a head. It's all just, this episode is such a great linchpin from the, the final exam episode that we covered, the first episode of the series where, where we're just learning about Slade to where we see this obsession has grown over the the rest of the season and it's and it feels like it's coming to a head here and he does all of this crazy stuff to try to get the upper hand and to finally catch this guy and it just blows up in his face and really all he ends up with is as as he says at the end of the episode you know all of his friends yelled at him except for except for starfire who you know very as you said very very softly and we're certainly talk about that in voice acting but very simply and softly you know puts him in his place in a, in a really, in a way that only, you know, a good friend can when you've been, <laughs> when you've been a jerk, like, right. and when you've been, when you've been acting out of turn. So, yeah, I just think this is like, this is a really great linchpin. And I, I just felt that switch of like, this is when this show became like my favorite show <laughs> when I was, when I was 10, which I think this episode, and it was really fun kind of reliving that and rediscovering that. Yeah, it's it's a boatload of fun. I highly recommend it. I mean, this first season, there are some episodes that are a little bit more on the silly side and, and less serious, but um, and it has that that lighthearted tone, even I mean, there are even some parts of this episode where there's in some momentary lighthearted nature, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. the, the Beast Boy and and Cyborg banter when Beast Boy gets his tongue stepped on when he's an anteater at the beginning, <laughs> or, you know, there is some some lightheartedness. But between this and I know later on in the story, you know, I think it's in the, the later seasons with Beast Boy and Terra, like there's there's a lot of dark stuff that comes in in the writing 
exciting. And that really, I feel like balances that out. And I feel like Teen Titans, at least at first, kind of got branded as as more of a, a kitty goofy show. And there's some really good writing that happens. So kudos to uh, to both of the writers for this ep- this week's episode and uh, or for the single writer. I can't remember if it was was it one or two writers that we had. That's a uh, two. Uh, Tom, uh, I might be butchering this. Pugsley or Pugsley mm-hmm. and uh, Greg Klein both both credited for the script for this week. Yeah, great, great work from them. Um, you know, I I think it was almost flawless. I think, um, you know, I, I think that there it would, it would be nitpicking kind of to try and figure something out that I that I didn't like about the way that this episode went. So um, even that fine, I love how the the showdown and the final battle happens. You know, after the rooftop chase, and Robin finally feels like that he's going to have his you know, his opportunity to lay his hands on Slade and it's, it's still a robot. Like it's still, still trying to grasp the wind. It's, you know, it keeps falling through mm-hmm. his fingers. So um, I, I love the frustration on in, in Robin's character and then him realizing that all of this for, for nothing, all of this was for nothing, essentially, you know, he, 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 he betrayed, he borderline betrayed his friends and, and still didn't get you know, much, much progress in this. So uh, for all of those reasons, I ended up giving plot a very strong nine out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I love it. I, uh, I went just one tick higher. I went with a, a perfect 10 out of 10 for my, my plot score for just all the reasons we talked about. Like I said, I think there's, it still moves. I think you really hit it when you said they don't, they don't, they don't give, it's not a mystery box. It's not, they don't go, oh, who's Red X? It doesn't really, doesn't really work that way because the plot moves so quickly and we move scene to scene and we do they do uh, but just in case you were you were starting to think oh wait robin wasn't there and then this red x guy shows up but right before right then you do the 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 twist of the episode you know a twist and a turn not necessarily the same thing as a mystery uh so i i think that's really fun it's it's the difference between i think like uh, the newer Star Wars trilogy, uh, where they they set up that the you know one of the main characters has secret parents and we don't know who they are and it's it's you know we get a couple different reveals for that across the trilogy, whereas in the original trilogy they tell you that Luke Skywalker's father is dead, and then in the second movie, spoiler alert <laughs> for, for the 1980 film Empire Strikes Back. Uh, then we find out that the the main villain of the series, Darth Vader, is actually Luke's father, and it's it's it wasn't a mystery of oh who's Darth Vader's true identity. He was just a bad guy as far as we knew, right. and then we reveal actually he has this deeply personal connection to. Uh, so I, I kind of like the way of of that was kind of what this reminded me of. They don't really try to make you puzzle out who Red X is because as far as you're concerned, it's just it's just a new bad guy. It's just a new right. bad guy who's helping Slade. And then, you know, they, they throw you off the scent with having, you know, him and Robin seemingly interact. And then to have that twist be that that was, that was just all part of the deception. And Robin was going that far to try to fool not just Slade, but his own friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's, I think that's really brilliant and really, really added to it. Yeah. Lots of fun there. Very high plot scores to kick things off here. So let's see if that continues in our next category, Liam, which of course is going to be visuals and animation. Uh, so I believe you said Lotto Animation was responsible for the uh, the the work this week, and uh, yeah, this is of course the rec- the return to the 
Murakaname, is that what's officially mm-hmm. known as here? So we have our, our East meets West sort of animation styles here clashing uh, by the great uh, legend, uh, DCAU legend, DC animation legend, Glenn Murakami, mm-hmm. uh, just a fantastic artist. So of course, he him mashing these styles together and, and inspiring and being the, you know, the producer on the show uh, is, uh, is, is kind of put the signature on this, this show's run. So lots of fun stuff here. Um, I think one of the first things that I noticed, and, and that is the, the backgrounds for a lot of the scenes here. I love mm-hmm. that in that first scene, I don't think you would, you I don't, I'm trying to think of a scene in a DCAU show where you had a, a basically a stark white background, like a stark mm-hmm. white, all white background. And this is this computer lab or something like that is what it's representing where they're battling these robots, but it is bright white. And that's not something you tended to see. And we, we talked about that. That was, a, there was a strategy behind that. They hit a lot of things in shadows uh, on those shows and those shows were certain shows were supposed to be darker, but you know, to have a stark white background and have this animation, you have to have some really intense, good artwork. Uh, I think against a background that's stark. And I think that opening scene and kicking off with the action that they have immediately right off the bat, we're jumping into a fight between the Titans and these, you know, the, the, the minions uh, belonging to, to Slade, uh, man, what a, what a way to kick it off. I love, um, again, one of those, uh, something that's probably a little bit more associated with Eastern animation. And that was in that fight scene. There's a lot of, uh, there's a, there's a particular part where Robin throws a, a bird orang and you kind of follow the bird orang until it's mm-hmm. attempting to hit one of the robots. And, uh, the background is completely blurred. So it gives you this idea that they're in motion, they're running. There's not a lot of detail or distraction on the background. It's just kind of this blurred background, but you follow the bird orang until it hits the robot robot they kind of repeat that same thing again uh when when the the robots are are going after beast boy uh, when he has the he has the chip uh, so i i love that and that's something that's actually repeated um, i know throughout the show certainly heavily mm-hmm. eastern uh, animation influence for that but something that i felt like made that scene feel more intense uh, because even though you have that stark white background to kick things off, it's, it's not distracting during the chase. It adds and, and clearly lays out that this is a fast paced, fast moving fight that's happening. Um, and you get a little bit of the shaky cam and all that stuff in there too, mm-hmm. but, uh, a really great scene. And, and then the, the next background that I noticed, I guess a lot of the backgrounds, maybe something I hadn't noticed before, but they have this weird, like almost like paintbrush stroke to them. Mm-hmm. And that's really apparent in the scene that the, the, the first scene right out of the credits where Starfire falls off the cliff and Robin has to jump off the cliff to save her. And there's this background that the characters are solid and stand off, you know, uh, jump off the screen because these backgrounds, you can almost see the brush strokes in the way that the, the painted backgrounds mm-hmm. look. And I, it just adds such a unique flavor to this, uh, to this series. And then you, you know, the next scene, when you see the Titans Tower, it's the same thing. The tower's there, but then the background has those, those brush strokes to them. So something unique that I, I don't feel I picked up uh, before that I think really sets this apart from some of the other shows that we tend to tend to review from time to time. So a, a thumbs up for that too, because I feel like it's unique and it's it's a it's a unique kind of signature for the for the backgrounds for this uh, for this series. Absolutely. And I mean speaking of backgrounds, the the final 
chase scene of the episode where Slade and Robin are chasing over the, you know, running over the rooftops and they land on this building and there's this big, you know, bright red neon sign right out of, you know, a Kung Fu movie mm-hmm. or something with, uh, with Chinese characters on it, uh, which I, I believe I read translates to read comics, <laughs> which, uh, which I think is a fun, a fun little awesome. uh, hidden message, but yeah. And then it's just, it's a lot of this, this big bright red neon sign. And then you just see Robin and Slade silhouettes against it fighting uh, i think we talked about this in our in our first episode when we reviewed final exam but when slade is in his lair it's very it's i guess uh not monochrome but uh, there's two colors it's like everything is either in shadow or it has this orange hue to it dual both chrome? slate what is that Bi- bichrome dual chrome Bi- uh, bichrome sounds bichromial? Bichromial? i think that's it i think hey, that's it but- yeah we we puzzled it out of here but yeah I, I love that look of it as well it's like his you know he we don't really get to see much of Slade's lair in these early episodes but you just see him kind of you know the 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 one half of his body is completely covered in shadow and then the right side with it you know has the the mask and and a little bit of his of his that side of his body sort of illuminated or outlined in orange as well so yeah just the the different shades and and color palettes they use throughout this episode and as you said specifically in the backgrounds i think really does create a really interesting atmosphere especially because for other parts yeah they're in a sewer they're in the subway systems like that's pretty standard superhero fare but to mix it up with these like really bright neon colors in the end battle or as you mentioned that that scene where robin is you know being dragged and then catch it carrying starfire and they're flying over the water and it's kind of that like twilight time of day so you get these like purples and oranges in the sky as you mentioned with that sort of almost brush stroke style of background it's it's really it really stands out and and uh yeah i think that's uh that definitely deserves uh, an extra nod for this week yeah, I, I think that scene, as you mentioned, even the chase scene across the rooftops, I loved how that was set up uh, between Slade and, and Robin. I love the, what about the Red X design? I think the Red X mm-hmm. design is tremendous. It's unique. He has a cape. Um, it doesn't, doesn't again, it doesn't, it isn't a big red uh, pun intended red shiny arrow saying <laughs> look this is robin in disguise um there's nothing about it that really says there's robin other than maybe the cape but uh i i it's it's just a cool design i love the visuals when he, sh- he the first battle with the titans where he's shooting the x's out of his hands uh, i love that they affect each titan a different way the mm-hmm. one when it hits beast boys you mentioned it sort of manifests as this gummy like substance that sticks him to the ground and you get this really cool bit where beast boy tries to shape shift between different animals to try and break free uh, he's like a gorilla one moment and a bird the next and then he's mm-hmm. an elephant and he keeps shifting in and out of frame to you know to these different animals and the the gummy substance sort of seems to cover and, and continue to contain him. Um, he shoots another X that lands on, on Raven's mouth. So she has this giant, it's almost like red, uh, 
duct tape or something across <laughs> her face for the next uh, for the next scene or so. Um, and then he slaps a, an X on the back of Cyborg during one of the fights, which causes him to short circuit. And um, and then I, again, I love in the in the next scene where they have that battle in the subway, where it's it's not only obvious based on the fact that they didn't didn't get their butts handed to them as much, but there were visual clues to show that they had learned and adapted from their previous battles. So Raven steps in to try and deflects, you know, one of the one of the flying X's from hitting Starfire and Mm -hmm. uh you know cyborg himself has sort of evolved and is not affected the same way as when red x drops the x on his back and so i I love that there was you know the the fact that there was growth even between just a couple scenes to show that this cohesive unit works together and that they are a team they work together is a reason Mm -hmm. why they function as a unit and they're able to learn and adapt and um yeah, I think, I mean, I could honestly probably talk about a whole bunch of things for the visuals <laughs> for the next 20 to 30 minutes. I love that Robin's lair and his little room sort of lends to this obsession with all of the clips all over the wall and mm-hmm. spotlight, just one single spotlight on this desk and him just kind of sulking in there, obsessing over just who Slate is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was a shot that they kept returning to a couple different times, these various different news clips up on the up on the wall. But yeah, just a, a lot of fun this week. Uh, lots of lots of great visuals. And, and I think that that final fight, having them lit uh, by the red from that glow, from that neon sign, uh, man, it just felt like the culmination of a movie. It just I, I just loved it. Just added to the intensity of the fight between Robin and Slade. And, uh, you know, and then when Robin drops off the building and Slade at the last second, you see Slade's hand snatch in, uh, sweep in, swoop in and snatch him. Uh, just really awesome. Um, you know, things, things uh, beyond that that stood out, there's a, there's a point where they give you Cyborg's uh, point of view as he's scanning mm-hmm. the room and you get the, the red eye. Um, I liked, uh, I liked, I think I'll, I'll just stop there and say that I, I think that it, it's, it's a it's a really good fun episode and the the animation matches the action and right from the get-go you get great animation from the start from the in in the fights and uh it continues throughout there's four fight scenes during this show too and (laughs) that's that's a lot of action a lot of stuff you had to animate and uh i don't think they missed a beat in my opinion so that's why i ended up giving visuals and animation a perfect 10 Love it. Yeah, I, I gave it the exact same score of uh, of 10 out of 10. Uh, one note, I think I, you touched on it during the subway fight and, and it's definitely shown there. I love how, uh, and I know, I know certainly from listening to, you know, to commentaries and watching, watching the special features about how, how leery the, the main DCAU team was of taking up the Justice League show because of, well, we have to animate seven main characters at once on screen and how, what a challenge that, and so the, uh, that poses. And so I loved that, as you pointed out, that it's not just they're all off punching someone in their own little corner. Like they're constantly getting involved in each other's fights right from the, in that first scene, the, one of Slade's minions, they have these like knuckle, like it looks like brass knuckles, but there's a laser on it and it, he shoots it at the ceiling and this, you know, this panel is going to fall on Starfire and Robin just swoops in and, and pushes her out of the way. And then, and then later it's kind of played as a joke, but there's a moment where 
you know, this one of the robots comes after Raven and she's kind of in a, in a disadvantage as powerful as Raven is. She's not a fist fighter necessarily. So they, they kind of get her and she's blocking a couple of the shots and then kind of gets outmaneuvered and, and Beast Boy saves her and is kind of mocking her that he, that, you know, he got one over on her and then immediately she's able to, you know, uses a couple of giant uh, pieces of debris to crush another robot that was about to, uh, to attack Beast Boy from behind. So yeah, just the, the, the camaraderie illustrated even during the fight scenes, I think is really cool and, and how well they work as a team is, uh, is quite a bit of fun. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a great bit. And uh, my, my one last note for visuals, I will say is you, you mentioned that, you know, Robin's, Robin's uh, lair where he's, he's looking there. There's just this one shot. Uh, I think the first time we go in when Starfire is first trying to talk to him where, He's, uh, he's at the table and there's just this kind of slow panning 360 shot where it sort of shows us some of the, the, the newspaper clippings and then sort of moves around until we're looking directly at Robin and then we see the door open and Starfire's in the doorway. I just thought that was, again, a really nice little bit of that moody, again, that sort of, you know, obsessed detective motif that they're kind of going for for Robin in this episode. It's just, it's really, really well done. And to do that sort of camera check, that sort of 3D, 360 thing in, uh, in animation, I know is, is, is not, uh, not easy at all for the animators themselves or for, you know, if you're trying to storyboard that, that could be quite difficult as well. So yeah, a lot of extra little flourishes in, in this week's episode, even in some of the quieter moments. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I think it shows up in the scores why we ended up giving the scores that we did. And uh, yeah, it's it's different. As we always say when we cover any show that isn't DCAU, it's different. Uh, and it's not what you're necessarily typically used to, but it, it's, it's good. It's good in a different way. So uh, mm-hmm. definitely go out of your way to check this one out if you haven't. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. As you mentioned, uh, the great Michael McQuistion, a, a DCAU veteran, uh, mm-hmm. is, uh, is present here for doing the composition for this week's music, which I, I got to say, when I was listening to it, I was like, this sounds like a Batman Beyond soundtrack. That <laughs> makes a whole lot of sense once you know that Michael McQuistion uh, was responsible for the music. Yeah, it's interesting because it goes through a couple different. It's it's a very moody episode again. I think to match the the moody tone of of Robin's mood throughout it. But from uh, kind of at the start, you get more maybe what you consider the traditional, more rocked up music as the Titans are fighting those minions. And then right when the when the the robot shoots Starfire and she begins to fall, and then it jumps out of the window and hits the the Iron Man rocket boots and starts to fly away and we see Robin run out to the ledge and look down at Starfire and look up. We get this like choir music sort of of like this chanting or this, you know, sort of low uh, chanting coming in. And then, you know, the, the drums come back in and then the, the sort of more like, you know, the power chords start and we get a little more of that like wailing guitar in that, in that sequence and which then sort of transitions again to that more frenetic high paced, uh, you know, faster music as he's actually going on the chase with all of them. And then, uh, I thought I thought again that that final uh, that final Slade uh, chase scene on the rooftops, especially, it's just it's so that that piece of music is so drum and bass motivated. Like there is guitar as well, but it's so rhythm motivated because it's this frantic thing, and Robin's chasing after him, and he's constantly, you know, seems like he's close enough that he can almost touch it, but then Slade gets out of reach again. I just thought it 
did, did a really good job overall just adding to the mood of of a lot of these especially these big action sequences yeah absolutely it's it's the tempo is is very high throughout it does let it breathe uh it in in various spots where it needs to whether you're in robin's room or you know when you have the conversations between red x and and slade certainly there's some uh, there's there's some breathing room in there but as as we said it's a very high energy high action episode so that called for a a soundtrack that that was there to match i don't think that there was anything again it didn't didn't feel unique in any way from a from another you know michael McQuistian composition um it's it's uh it's it's a slow and steady you know solid defender like it's not somebody that's going to be your superstar on your on your sports team but it's you know it's somebody that's going to be there for a while and and uh and do its job every single day so i didn't think it stood out it did what it needed to do um and i i think it certainly didn't take away from anything if anything it probably added uh to the the general mood of those those high energy scenes but um that's basically what was asked of it and, and i feel like it's did its job so that's why I ended up giving music a, a six out of 10 for this week. Uh, you know, no, no unique red X theme that I heard necessarily um, that maybe could have, could have bumped it up a couple of points, but generally speaking, it was, it was scene setting music. It did its job uh, in my opinion. And, and that's why I ended up giving it a six out of 10. Nice. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a couple of points higher. I, I did go with an eight out of 10. Um, just for, for the, what we've already talked about, I just thought the, the action sequences are so, are so, uh, you know, driven by, I think the percussion and, you know, certainly I, I appreciate that as, as a, uh, you know, as a drummer myself. Uh, so I, I, I appreciate like how rhythm focused a lot of the music was and how that added to the, to the big, uh, the big action sequences. And then you have the, uh, it's like a, like, like I said, there's some, sounds like a like some chanting or a choir was brought in and there's also like some this really light ethereal like synthesizers actually right at the start you know the episode opens and we're just looking at this you know rotating computer chip in the middle of this uh, stasis field and then we see the you know the uh, the slade minion reach out to grab it and then you know he looks over and sees robin and it transitions right into the you know the, the more action focused music and there's this just some really interesting uh, crescendos, I think, there is that uh, as as they sort of reveal the full team for the first time in the episode, and then yeah, for for all the stuff I mentioned, I think it's uh, it does a just a great job of adding to that, and again, sort of the, the quieter moments as as well as those uh, those big action pieces. There we go. All right, William, let's wrap it up this week with our final category, which of course which of course is going to be our voice acting. Uh, of course, if you're familiar with the, the Teen Titans or perhaps Teen Titans Go, you'll be familiar with <laughs> the main cast here, but it's definitely as this is our only our second uh, venture into the world of the Teen Titans here, it's uh, definitely worth another review of some of these uh, core main players here. But uh, other than that, I know it's not a huge cast, but let's get into uh, this week's voice acting. Yeah, it's a it's it's a very small cast. It's it's uh, just our five titans and our our main villain of the piece. But yes, we do have uh, of course the great Ron Perlman as as Slade once again. Here we've talked about him once before. He was sort of in the background as Slade in the previous episode, but of course we've already talked about him in uh, his voicing of Clayface in Batman the Animated Series and you know several other uh, voice acting roles over the years and. 
he just really again like like day one nailed exactly what you need for for that design i think especially when that character is in shadow and he just has this it's never he's never yelling he's never he's not he's not doing the grandiose villain even you know especially i think comparing him which I think it makes sense that I would because because of our show, like I compare him to the Clayface performance, which is so, you know, he's loud and he's yelling and he's, you know, he's a thespian, literally, he, you know, that, mm-hmm. that character is an actor. And so it makes sense that he's, he's very loud and over the top, whereas the Slate is just, just the man who's constantly in control and, and constantly not, not phased by anything. And, and so I think Ron Perlman as Slate in this episode, not surprisingly perhaps, but just really, really nailing it. Yeah, he's really good, uh, unsurprisingly. And as you mentioned, it is a very different performance. This is, this is he's cocky and Clayface. His Clayface is definitely cocky, but this this is a a arrogant, confident, cocky, and and very understated. Uh, he's very cool. He's very calm. He's very you know he he doesn't have to be boisterous. He doesn't have to be over the top. He knows that he's uh, that he's a bad mamma jamma, I guess, and and he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't, uh, he doesn't have to. That's the first first for in two hundred and twelve episodes that that phrase is uh but yeah he knows that uh, he's the he's the baddest guy in the room and he doesn't have to he doesn't have to prove it like that's that's the general that's the general feeling that i get from his performance as as and he, and he enjoys the the sort of torturous toiling that he does with or toying that he does with robin um that you know that he's in control he's got the power and that uh, that very much comes out in the performance especially in that that final reveal as robin feels like he's finally bested him only for it to to be revealed that he's once again his princess is in another castle you might say (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and uh yeah just just tremendous job from mr perlman and then yeah, our uh, our main Titans cast, which are really the only other voice actors to speak of. Of course, we have Kari Payton as Cyborg. We have Tara Strong, uh, never heard of her, as Raven. <laughs> uh, we, of course, have Greg Sipes as Beast Boy. Uh, all three of them kind of in the background of this episode. Like we said, there's some there's some comedy with uh, Beast Boy getting his, uh, having to get his hair cut after the, the first Red X encounter is as well as Raven uh, getting, having to sort of get the, uh, like she's getting a, a wax, a uh, piece of wax or something removed. She's waxing her, her <laughs> mustache or something. Uh-huh. She gets the X removed and, and has to sort of just do that deadpan ow uh, as, as Cyborg removes that. And, and then Cyborg himself doesn't really get a ton to do. Again, you get, you get a little bit of the banter and the joking back and forth between those three. But, uh, you know, our, the, the, main, the main cast, this week it's really a uh, a two-person show in that it's obviously we have scott manville as robin who is again the driving force of this episode and uh certainly we'll get to him in a moment but then we of course also have uh hinden walsh as starfire and again as fast-paced and as many action sequences as you said are are in this episode kind of constantly cutting back for even if it's only 30 seconds or a minute long scene of Starfire, you know, first reacting to Robin and speaking to Robin. And then, you know, later on, the rest of the Titans are kind of complaining about how Robin's been, been missing and has, has hurt, you know, has hurt the team by not being around. And, and she's sort of, you know, leaps to his defense and, and that, and is sure that he's, he's doing the right thing and he's working hard, you know, harder than anyone. And then, 
to her sort of you know shock and horror when she realizes that he's been lying to them the whole time and and then as as we already talked about that that very final scene of the episode where she kind of puts him in his place and and leaves him with this observation that that he and he and Slade are very much alike is uh she's she's really good in this episode yeah she she again she's usually she's sort of like the female beast boy i feel like at times she's used for more comic relief there's mm-hmm. less opportunity for her to be more serious and and obviously she the whole point her character has a heart of gold and has this innocence about her uh and enjoyment and lust for life and everything that that comes with that starfire character uh on on the teen titan show but i i think it's interesting that this this point especially that final scene between her and and mr menville's robin uh you know we she really gets to be vulnerable and show that 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 innocence much like the innocence of a child that she she sort of uh, uses as comedic relief at times and not understanding earth customs and all that that same innocence uh that that children have that she sort of represents can also feel betrayal can feel hurt can feel and be open and honest and really cut to your core in a way that you know a more uh, mature adult may not um and it and it hurts a little bit more and her honesty her brutal honesty and her willingness to to point out that robin and slade acted exactly the same way in in the way that he treated his friends man her her ability to come out and 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 portray in that scene that emotion along with her sort of working through the story as she's the first one to discover that robin and red x are one and the same um sort of the surprise and putting the puzzle pieces together and her concern that she has for robin throughout and his his withdrawal i love that she does a great job and again Mm -hmm. for for maybe not the typical role that she had in this first season or that you maybe think of when you when you think of her performances in this teen titans or that character in the teen titans um i i love that she had an opportunity here to to really sort of flex those acting muscles and and show a different side of this character and i felt knocked it out of the park yeah absolutely um again like we, like we talked about it's just she uh that that innocence as you said really i think works to the advantage even though it is often used for comedy at uh in this episode it's also showing that even though she is sort of has a very you could you could argue simplistic worldview of of good and evil certainly but uh but she you know her her observations of of what makes robin and slade similar i think are really really cutting and and uh, miss walsh does a great job of delivering those lines and yeah as mentioned we have we have scott menville the robin of the hour um uh, scott menville um uh again uh we we talked about him before but obviously this episode he is this is really the whole <laughs> this is the whole enchilada if you're talking about a scott manville robin performance is you get the serious gravelly like a little you know he's he's got like teenage clint eastwood voice for a lot of it and then you have him just like yelling at the top of his lungs for a lot of it when he's you know when he's when he's holding on for dear life as he's you know holding starfire and also holding on to the uh, the rope that's attached to the the flying robot and then the you know the fights with slade and you know slade again being rob perlman being so calm and and taunting and and sinister while you have this you know this increasingly agitated robin and, and scott Moundville on the other side of it just 
just a lot of fun letting him not only play off uh, the other Titans as mentioned, but uh, him and him and Ron Perlman together in this episode, just really making magic. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we didn't, we didn't talk about who voices, uh, who voices Red X. Oh, that's right. Also Scott <laughs> with, with a great voice modulator on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tremendous. He had a, a lot to do. I think, yeah, I, I think that the, 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 typical Robin stuff that you think of maybe if you've watched the Teen Titans series um, you know you can take or leave and I know there are people that can take it or, or leave it and uh, but I, I know that for me I think it was the same thing for this the, the quieter moments the downbeats the times where he's having these conversations with with Starfire and being really raw and really open with his emotion and frustration and not being able to, to get his hands around Slade or what Slade wants or what Slade's motivation is or who he is. Um, those moments, I feel like, again, reveal a deeper layer than just the, the Titans go screaming uh, side that he so often was sort of pigeonholed into for a lot of this, for a lot of the, maybe what your, your mental memory banks go to for, uh, for the Robin for this series. So uh, being reminded that, yeah, there were other moments that he had opportunities to evoke other emotion and, and share those, uh, share those acting chops a little bit. Uh, again, uh, I love that. This is a perfect showcase for that. And uh, even with a voice modulator on, I thought his red X was, uh, was pretty good too. And the, uh, the tone mm-hmm. that he took <laughs> with, with uh, Slade and, and speaking to him in a couple of those scenes. So yeah, I, I think this is a, a really solid performance by everybody across the board. Um, certainly Mr. Perlman uh, with maybe the, the most episode defining just from the, the sheer evilness of his voice. And again, the, the pompous arrogance of being able to toy with not only the, the entire Titans, but with Robin. And then of course the arrogance that he has in, in figuring out who Red X is before everybody else has, has, has is, uh, is really good too. So so uh, for all those reasons, I gave voice acting a really strong nine out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I, uh, I gave it the exact same score of, uh, of nine out of 10 for, for just all the reasons we've already talked about. It's, it's, a, it's again, it's, it's just our, our main cast and our, you know, one of our main villains. It isn't a, a huge ensemble here, but everybody pulls their weight and, and, and those top three, if you will, of, of Hinden Walsh, uh, Ron Perlman and Scott Manville just all really knock it out of the park. There we go. All right, Liam. Well, that would begin to total up this week's episode and totaling everything up on my end here. I end up with a very strong 34 out of 40. What about you? Yeah. And I am, uh, I think we were a couple, just one, maybe one point off in a couple different categories, but that, uh, that did lead me to a, a little bit higher of a final score in 37 out of 40. All right. Well, that puts us in our top picks area here, uh, which uh, I got to say, sometimes I'm not surprised because some of these Elseworlds episodes, we tend to pick the more memorable episodes, which Mm -hmm. will then lead to a a higher score at times. But I think for a show that has as many seasons as Teen Titans had and as many memorable moments, uh, that's uh, that's well-deserving. And so I, I guess we can talk about rewatchability, Liam. And this feels <laughs> like uh, this feels like a no-brainer. I feel like this is like a, a one-second answer. This is, this is a must-watch because of everything that the series entails and the fact that the Red X saga continues later on in the series. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's a great episode on its own, but when we, we talk about the rewatchability, it's a huge, as we mentioned, a huge linchpin episode for this this ongoing Slade saga and 
as you mentioned, the, the Red X, while this is the last time Robin plays Red X, this is not the last time Red X appears in this, uh, in this series. So definitely a lot of stuff here that comes back later on. So definitely easily two thumbs up for rewatchability this week. Absolutely. Well, Liam, that will begin to wrap us up for this week. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget, if you're looking to support the podcast, you can do so by uh, definitely following us on social media at DCAU Review, both over on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to converse with us, Twitter is the best way to do that. Liam does an awesome job of running our Twitter account. Um, you can reach out to us. Lots of conversations happen on there. We're getting some new listeners this month. So if this is your first time listening to the show, also, thank you so much for spending Spending this time with us. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, if you liked what you heard, subscribe, of course, on your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can also, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review, a little blurb that helps people uh, learn what you liked about us, what brought you here, and, and uh, let the good people know what it was that you enjoyed about the podcast. You can also, of course, leave a, a five-star review on Spotify if you listen there. There's also some interactive questions that are exclusive to our Spotify list listeners. Uh, so you can check those out, check out the poll and then the weekly question. We love hearing, getting feedback from you guys. Uh, a couple other ways to support the pod. You can head over to DC, dcaureview.com and click on the shop tab. If you want to pick up a piece of merch, uh, you can also use the link at the bottom uh, of our anchor site, or it's usually posted wherever you hear your podcast, there's a link that you can support us directly financially if you'd like to. Uh, you can also, as we mentioned at the beginning of the pod, head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower. That's another free way to support us if you subscribe to us and like our videos when we post them. Uh, even if you don't listen to the episodes there fully, uh, it's, uh, it's a big help to us and, uh, and drives more listeners to the pod. Liam, uh, it's enough plugging of uh, shameless plugs that for this week for how to support us. Let's, uh, let's give the good people a preview about what we'll be covering next week in our second week of our Robin's Elseworld month. That's right. So we'll be jumping over to another new series as we will every week this month. And uh, next week, we are going back to a show we've covered quite a few times. Maybe that might be our most frequent uh, Elseworld uh, appearance maker uh, to date. But we are returning to the world of Batman, the Brave and the Bold once again to, uh, to see an episode that focuses on, on, uh, on, of course, who else but Robin himself. The introduction of Robin to that Brave and the Bold series in a, a very memorable episode entitled The Color of Revenge. Man, I love that one. Again, uh, I have not seen most of, if not all of, Batman Brave and the Bold. So every time we watch one of these episodes, it's a brand new experience for me. Um, I know that uh, I feel like over the last couple of years, Batman the Brave and the Bold has begun to gain traction and, and people recognizing it for the uh, just the fantastic, amazing piece of art that it is. As we're going to talk about Mr. Mr. James Tucker, DCAU veteran, and uh, currently working on the uh, the next iteration of Batman animation uh, that uh, with uh, with DCAU legend Bruce Tim of course uh, mm -hmm. coming up here with Batman Cape Crusader but his love letter to that silver age and, and just lots of fun that we have with every episode that we've so far so I cannot wait it's going to be a great time absolutely but until then I'm Cal and I'm Liam and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU review Bye-bye.